come to the fountain dip your heart in the stream of life let the pain and the sorrow be washed away in the waves of his mercy as deep cries out to Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord. thirsty all who are weak just come to the fountain dip your heart in the stream of life let the pain and the sorrow be washed away in the waves of his mercy as deep cries out too deep, we sing, come Lord Jesus, come, come Lord Jesus, come, come Lord seated. Ushers, please come forward. Um, we have our bags on the side of the chairs there. If you could now uh, worship and giving and uh, ushers come forward and collect them.
Heavenly Father, be with us today as we take communion with believers around the world. Be with Lori as she delivers your message today. Ready our hearts, our minds, our souls for what you have for us today. And be with us throughout our week and help us to live our life only for you and to glorify you in everything we do. In your name we pray. Thank you. You guys sounded great. That was uh, really nice. Thank you so much. Who are you? If you had to name an adjective to describe who you are, what would you say? You don't have to give a God answer yet. So who are you? I'm a mother. Grandmother. Caregiver. What? What? Papa. He's a papa. Students? Athlete. Nice. Great. What if someone were to ask you who you are in God's eyes? Child, beloved, perfect, broken, forgiven. Nice. What? Caring, adopted. Wow, you guys are really good with the God's eyes part. Um, on good days, I think it's really easy for us to see ourselves through God's eyes. But what about the bad days or the bad seasons? I went through a pretty rough time over a dozen years ago now when my husband at the time chose to stay with his girlfriend instead of staying with me and our three daughters. That kind of betrayal and rejection does this seismic shift on your whole life. The pit was deep and it was dark. And there were times when I even wondered if I was lovable. It's even worse than that because there were times that I wondered if maybe God would abandon me too. Have you had those times in your life? Maybe not that deep or that dark, but have you been betrayed or lied to? Or have you had your self-esteem damaged by unkind remarks or bullying or abusive behavior? I'm afraid there's a lot of things in life that can shake us up and blur who we are. It made me think, oh, there's all our God ones. Those are good ones. It made me think of a snow globe. You know how you can get that globe and you can shake it really hard and all the snow is flying so much that you can't even see the figure that's inside? And when life gets like that, I think God holds us in his hands to calm the storm and he whispers to us, remember, remember who you are and to whom you belong. Well, today is a day of remembering. We are celebrating World Communion where we remember all of our brothers and sisters around the globe who are also participating in the Lord's Supper. 
And our scripture passage is from Exodus, where the first Passover was established. And the Lord said, this day shall be a day of remembrance for you. But before we read our scripture today, I want to catch you up in God's story. I hope you're reading the daily passages. They're in your bulletin, and they're also on the church Facebook page. So all of Joseph's people, the Hebrews, they've all moved to Egypt to survive the famine. They got busy with their command from God from the very beginning of time to be fruitful and to multiply, and they did. But then a new pharaoh came into town, and he didn't remember Joseph anymore. And he was afraid of all of these foreigners who were in his backyard because he knew they could join up with his enemy, and then they could defeat him and all of the Egyptians. So he did what any paranoid, ruthless leader would do. He turned them into slaves. Now, the Hebrew people have been slaves for something like 400 years, and they cry out to God for deliverance. God speaks to Moses through a burning bush, and he tells them to go back to Egypt and to lead the Hebrews out of slavery. Moses says no. God says go. You know who wins that battle. So, as a spokesperson for God, Moses and his brother Aaron go to Pharaoh, and they say, let my people go. And Pharaoh says no. And I think you know who wins that battle. So then Pharaoh's, God will do a plague, and then Pharaoh will say, okay, okay, I get it, I'll let him go, just take the plague away. So God takes the plague away, and Pharaoh reneges. This is the pattern for like nine plagues, things like frogs, gnats, flies, diseased livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, which sounds like child's play compared to the tenth plague. The tenth plague is that all firstborn in the land of Egypt will be struck down. So Pharaoh will finally free the people that he has enslaved. The scripture passage comes from Exodus 12, and we're going to read verses 1 through 14. God is telling the people how the Passover is to be remembered each and every year, so they never forget who they are and to whom they belong. And I asked Rachel Mallet if she would read our scripture passage for us today. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It should be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the tenth of this month, they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat eat of it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year-old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the month, then the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the lamb that same night. They shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted over the fire with its, heads, leg, with its head, legs, and inner organs. You shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. This is how you shall eat it. Your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. 
for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. On all of the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. Thanks, Rachel. Will you pray with me? Lord, speak to us through the words just read and the words to come. Help us to remember who we are and to whom we belong. Amen. Houston, we have a problem. The children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the inheritors of the promise of God, have been reduced to brick-making slaves. In Exodus 1.13 and 14, we read, The Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. And the Hebrews were slaved, slaves for hundreds and hundreds of years. Generations were born, lived, and died as slaves. It's all they knew, and they cried out to God for deliverance. Now, they needed something to help them to begin to break away from everything that they knew and to try to start over. So before the 10th plague was even released, the first Passover was instituted. This meal, with its symbolism and saving act, is to be celebrated every year to help them remember who they are and to whom they belong. Trust me, they needed this reminder. They were barely out of Egypt, and they were complaining that they wished they had never left. They had one hunger pang, and they wished they were back in Egypt as slaves. Aren't we just like those Israelites sometimes when things get tough? or uncomfortable, we can quickly forget who we are and to whom we belong. Did you see the movie The Lion King? Simba is the carefree, happy son of Mufasa, the king of the pride. Young Simba is deceived by his mean uncle Scar. Scar kills Mufasa and makes Simba believe it's all Simba's fault. So Scar encourages Simba to run away Scar then sends his henchmen, those crazed hyenas, to kill Simba so Scar can be king forever. Simba escapes, and he settles into a relaxed life with our friends Pumbaa and Timon. Their model for life is this, Hakuna Matata, which means no worries for the rest of your days. It's their problem-free philosophy. Want to sing along, don't you? I know it's... It's hard. So this is where Rafiki, a wise family friend, catches up with Simba. Let's watch. Oh, sure do. You're Mufasa's boy. Bye. Hey, wait. You know my father? Correction. I know your father. I hate to tell you this, but he died a long time ago. Nope! Wrong again! (laughs) 
He's alive! And I'll show him to you! You follow old Rafiki, he knows the way! Come on! my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. When life gets so tough that we try to run away, I wonder if we can hear God's words to remember. I like it when it's in the voiceover of James Earl Jones. The ghost voice of Mufasa is like the voice of God to us. Listen to what he said as if he were saying it to you. You have forgotten me. You have forgotten who you are and so forgotten me. You are more than what you have become. Ouch. Remember who you are. You are my son. You are my daughter. So part of this annual remembering in the Passover is, of course, directly tied to that 10th plague. To get ready... They have to quickly roast a goat, and there can be no leftovers. So if a whole goat or a lamb is too big for your family, then you make a plan and you share it with a neighbor. Any leftovers have to be burned in the morning because you can't take it with you. 
You garnish this meal with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. The bitter herbs remind you that the bitter life that you are leaving behind. Unleavened bread is something that can be prepared quickly without yeast because there's no time for it to rise. Does anyone bake bread anymore? You teenagers might not even know about leaven or yeast. I know my teenager doesn't because she's never seen a fresh loaf of bread ever come out of her mother's kitchen. Sorry about that. My mom, however, used to bake, and I believe that the aroma of fresh baked bread is one of the fragrances of heaven. Anyway, the basic ingredients of bread are yeast, flour, salt, sugar, oil, and thyme. Once you mix the the yeast, you dissolve it in some warm water, then you put in all the other ingredients and you have to wait until it rises. My mom used to punch it down and let it rise twice. That took a really long time. I don't think we were running to soccer and football on Saturday mornings or tournaments out of towns on the weekends like we do today. We were home a lot more. We had time to punch down bread twice. Well, the slaves didn't have that much time. They have their version of fast food, and they are ready for travel. Their sandals are strapped, their staff is in their hand, and their loins are girded. That's right. Their loins are girded. That's a phrase we don't hear much today, isn't it? It basically means to tighten your pants. But it's more than that. Gird is still used as a verb to mean to get ready for a dangerous situation. To tell someone to gird up their loins means to tell them to get ready for hard work or battle. It was the ancient way of saying man up. So I came across this great illustration of girding your loins, and I never understood what it meant until I saw this. You know those long flowing robes that men and women would wear? Great for the heat of the day. The air moved freely, but really you couldn't. So you can see that you, you hoist the robe up over your knees, you feed it between your legs kind of like a diaper, and you bring those two sides up around, and you tuck them in your belt, and voila, you have shorts, and you are ready for action. So what is this fast food fashionista getting ready to do? And what are they getting ready for? Freedom. The Hebrew slaves are told that the Lord is going to strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, Their lives are going to be spared if they put blood on their door frame. Okay, that sounds a little weird, right? Killing an animal to put blood on your house as the sign. Can't we just put up a little flag, tie a ribbon on the mailbox? No, it's got to be blood. But we have to remember the sacrificial system and how it was such a key way that people had relationship with God in the Old Testament. Grain offerings and animal sacrifices went all the way back to Cain and Abel at the very beginning of Genesis. The first fruits, the best, was always offered to God. We also have to remember that the Old Testament is pointing us towards that great sacrifice that was yet to that Jesus sacrifice of giving his own life on our behalf. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The blood of the goat on the house becomes the sign and means of salvation for the Israelites. 
the blood of the lamb, Jesus, becomes the sign and the means of salvation for Christians. So all of this focus on the Passover as this annual event was put into place by God himself. You see, God knew that the Israelites were in constant danger of forgetting their identity. God knows what a forgetful group of knuckleheads we can be. And identity is everything. It's in our identity that we're able to live out our calling and our purpose. And we know that our identity is closely linked to our memory. If you don't have a memory, you cease to exist as a person or as a community. It's part of why Alzheimer's is such a tragic disease, right? There was a woman named Sandy who was diagnosed with early on-stage Alzheimer's disease. She was a bank manager, and she was really active in her community and in her church. One afternoon, she left work, and she didn't know how to get home. This was the start of a downhill with no return. She says she used to be independent and an overachiever, and now she's dependent and an underachiever, and it causes her so much frustration. Where things used to be easy for her, all things now are very, very complicated, even the easiest task. She says that her eyesight is unpredictable, but when she can read, she enjoys reading her Bible and spending time with God. She says she loves it when her husband tells her it's time to go to church because it's one place where she finds peace. You see, she and her husband have been married for 38 years, and she is so appreciative of how supportive her husband is, and she knows the kind of pressure that she's putting on him. He tells her that he can handle it, and she loves him even more. They still take their fifth-wheeler to go out fishing, and they love spending time with their grandchildren. The most important part of life is found in our relationship with God and our relationships with one another. And all of this hinges on our memories. She doesn't know how much time she has left to remember who she is and to whom she belongs. But she would say to us today, remember. Now, remembering doesn't just connect us to our identity and to our times of suffering where we get to learn those valuable life lessons. Remembering is also a source of joy. Just as God is found in our suffering, God can also be found in the essence of joy. I think that's part of God's desire for us to remember is so that we could be found in that flow of joy. Think of when you plan for a vacation. Anticipating is this hope-filled, expectant time of joyful waiting. We take the vacation that probably, just like life, doesn't go perfectly. But then we have the memories, and they can fill us with so much joy. Time has a way of softening those annoying details of getting lost looking for the rental car or the rain flooding your tent so you have to go crawl into your car at two in the morning and sleep the rest of the night in all these cramped positions. The memories that prompt the stories are often filled with laughter. Remembering gives us joy. And think of the joy that comes when living into God's first memory verse for us. 
The Shema is found in Deuteronomy 6, and it has served as a confession of faith in God for Israel throughout the centuries. And I asked Rachel if she would read this for us. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Remember this, and you will be in the flow of deep joy. And you know that this verse is the one that Jesus quotes when they ask him, what's the most important commandment? And he says, there's a second one just like it, to love your neighbor as yourself, which of course is the basis for our mission statement, to love God and love neighbor. Well, anyway, so Jesus was living his life with the disciples, and here's the cool connection for today. Did you know that Jesus was with his Jewish disciples celebrating the Passover. They were doing what God had instructed them all to do to remember, and it was at this Passover meal in the night that he was betrayed that Jesus instituted a new tradition for us to remember him, and it's called the Lord's Supper or communion or the Eucharist. In our remembering of Jesus and his love for us, We also remember who we are and to whom we belong. So today, we get to celebrate the Eucharist on World Communion Sunday. And we remember that Christ is the head of the church and that we are part of this whole body of believers, whether we celebrate in a grand cathedral, in a mud hut, out on a hill, over in the sanctuary, or right here in the campus center. We remember that God loves us so much that he made the ultimate sacrifice of his son for our lives. We remember that we can't earn this gift and that this table is open for everyone near and far who believes and is baptized. And like the Passover, it frees us. We are freed from the slavery of sin Because God's saving grace is enough for all of us. Remember, none of us can escape this love. Our hope and our prayer is that we are spiritually nourished and strengthened by our encounter with Christ at this meal so that we can offer a response of even more love to our hurting world. The Lord's Supper catches us on the fly somewhere between Saturday and Monday. Our stay at this table is short. So gird your loins as we head back into our daily life where we remember who we are and to whom we belong so that others might catch a glimpse of Christ in us. Amen.